What is up, entrepreneurs? You are tuned into the non-corporate network. You are watching Entrepreneurs, a show where Dustin and I debate the top six trending small business stories for three minutes of peach. A peach. Peach. <laughs> I'm, I'm it's Monday. Of, I'm thinking of fruit this morning. Uh, three minutes apiece. Uh, we each give our take. And uh, then we uh, move into the rest of our day. Dustin, do you have anything you want to add about uh, the format or non-corporate network? Yeah, so the non-corporate network, it's uh, four um, entrepreneurs <laughs> by entrepreneur. Man, it is a Monday. Red um, leather, yellow leather. <laughs> yeah, the whole goal is, I mean, we love business. We love entrepreneurship. And uh, all we want to do is is help bring unbiased news, um, you know, with, with what we're doing. And so... Yes, sir. Well, we should probably get into our first story before we uh, keep fumbling our words. Um, <laughs> starting it off, Dan Bolzerian, been in the news, his cannabis business Ignite, burned through $50 million, took a net loss of $50 million, I think it was, uh, $22 million in marketing budget alone. Um, this is crazy, man. I think that, uh, you know, the point that I want to, I want to kind of dive into is not as much Dan Bilzerian focus, but really just in general, our businesses having problems burning through the cash. I know right now, um, it kind of seems like funny money that we're playing with between triple P loans and grants. Um, is this something that is going to transcend more businesses with, uh, some cash flow that they maybe weren't used to having with, uh, with different kinds of loans and funding and debt that they're taking on? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, when it comes to like personal finances, I mean, most people aren't that great at it. And that translates into business as well. And I mean, it, it's just like anything. If you don't have a plan of attack or a strategy on how you're going to use those those funds or the monies, you're, you're going to burn through them. And it's, uh, you know, it's kind of insane. We live in a time where, I mean, so much is so trackable. You're, what you're doing, I mean, if you put the, the data together, you can see where what's driving the ROI, where you're losing money. I mean... Man, it's crazy. You blow through 20, 40, 20 million on, on marketing. Yeah, well, it's, for, it's 22 million on marketing, but 43 million uh, in losses that they took. And that was just through rent and paying executives, paying influencers. So obviously, like these expenses are stacking up a lot. And I, I know that, uh, you know, marketing and, and we're marketers, you know, you want to invest more into marketing to grow your business, but, uh, having a trackable ROI is, is something that, you know, oftentimes is going to be absolutely important. Um, when you have multiple different marketing channels, you're looking for attribution across those channels. So I, I personally think that this is just a case of, we didn't have enough things that we were tracking. We didn't have enough KPIs that we were really trying to hit. And, uh, when you're spending, you know, $200,000 a month just on rent, um, you know, th those expenses stack up quick. And, um, you know, oftentimes you don't really realize it until the damage has been done. Uh, you get kind of comfortable with your budget. So, uh, yeah, I think that actually, do you have any tips on the attribution or how you can kind of, yeah, I mean, I mean, what it comes down to is is trying to figure out what's really driving the sales and not so much uh, that, that last touch point. But I mean, where are people seeing the brand for the first time and of of those places they're seeing the brand, where are they then later going and and converting? But I mean, really what it comes down to, I mean, we deal with it with small business quite a bit whenever it's like, all right, well, where, where do you want to spend your marketing dollars? It's like, well, I don't really know. And that's, I mean, it, it translates into everything business wise. Like, do you we integrate? Yeah, yeah. It all just tie together. 
Yeah. And it's, if you don't have the, uh, you know, the, the knowledge or discipline to stick with a budget and figure out how to create a budget that, that is going to drive ROI. It's, it's bringing that expert help is, is what's going to help. But I mean, it's VC money. There was quite a bit of it. Now it's, I think it's probably gonna be drying up with the current situation and, and, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many businesses can make it. Well, hopefully this is a hopefully this is a good learning for businesses. I mean, their stock has plummeted seventy percent. Like I said, forty three million in losses, and uh, it's it's just something where you know you can't go raise more money when your valuation falls as much as it has. Investors aren't going to want to jump in, and so for you as a business, if you're raising, you need to make sure that you're continuing to increase your valuation. The more you lose, the less less uh, you're going to be poised for, you know, more investing and growth. Um, But getting into our next story, the massive Twitter breach that happened a couple days ago, Um, Elon Musk's account, Joe Biden's account, um, Barack Obama, Kanye West, just to name a few, were all hacked on Twitter with a message saying, send me $1,000 in Bitcoin and I will send you back $2,000 in Bitcoin. I think this really kind of shows the writing on the wall that um, you know, it, it, we're, we're living in a society where these, we talk about the data security a lot, but, uh, you know, a breach like this really puts it in perspective that no one's really safe, you know, whether it's Twitter, whether it's these specific people's accounts, no one's really safe. And it's just a matter of kind of sweeping it under the rug and hoping it doesn't happen again. So what are your thoughts on this whole breach and, uh, what can we do moving forward? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it goes to show what can be done. I mean, there. luckily it was what it was. I mean, granted a thousand dollars, people got burned out of that money, but I mean, they could have created some deep fakes like we discussed uh, on a previous episode, but taken over Trump's account and then started saying a bunch of stuff about China or what, uh, other countries. And it could have started, you know, a huge World War III. Right. Um, I mean, outside of that, what what's even more interesting is this all happened internally. So someone worked with employees to then give them access to these different accounts. And so it's not like they just came in blindly. And yeah. so there's that opens up a whole lot. Everybody of has a price. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, as more high profile people are, are using social media to kind of communicate their values and what they're all about. I mean, how how do you think right. Twitter social channels can prevent that internal well, I think the same thing was happening with Instagram. They had this black market of verifications where you'd pay certain employees at Instagram, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and then you'd get the blue check mark. Life was good, uh, and you know, I think the same kind of thing is happening. And so, part of it is just a responsibility for employers to make sure they're taking care of their employees, they're hiring the right people, they're asking the right questions. Um, but you know, over one hundred twenty-one thousand dollars was uh, generated off of this, just among those accounts, over 50% of that came from the US. So I think those are things that are interesting. $121,000 is uh, just kind of scratching the surface of obviously what we think could have been done here if they did a better job, more personalized job. Um, But, you know, I think that, you know, it's a good thing, in my opinion, because they didn't really, like I said, only $121,000. And it really kind of exposed you know, Twitter and and hopefully kind of raises the awareness of these social media companies to go, listen, you have a responsibility and no one is bulletproof here. And obviously we talk about, you know, the the breaches in cybersecurity internationally. Um, Russia is all up on that. So is South Korea or North Korea. And so, you know, I think that it's, uh, it's something where we really need to kind of, uh, 
learn from this and uh you know hopefully set ourselves up better yeah i mean it probably the best case scenario for what could have happened i mean um but it definitely gets the the mind wandering other people and how they oh is that easy gives them ideas i mean right yeah no it'll be, it'll it'll be interesting to see uh you know how they respond to that obviously beefing up security is probably a good mm -hmm. call um, okay into our next story as outbreak spreads b beyond big cities lowe's looks to help rural small businesses serve customers in new ways uh, this is nothing new a lot of businesses come out and uh, created different kinds of programs, but I think Lowe's did a pretty good job. They're going to donate $25 million to small business grants in rural communities specifically, uh, as well as an additional $30 million to minority-owned businesses. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. Obviously, we talk about the triple P kind of being unfairly distributed, um, not really focusing on the rural areas, not really focusing on the minority-owned uh, businesses. Uh, the other thing that they mentioned is uh, the Home Improvement Retail will also turn uh, a few stores and parking lots into drive-in movie theaters as well as other kinds of uh, community activities to kind of try to create you know more of a community um, within their town within their city uh, what do you think about this no nah, I, I love it good job Lowe's I mean it's everyone's looking to the government for help when it's it's uh, you know everyone can kind of agree that the government doesn't have the best plan of attack typically that kind of just roll with it and then make adjustments later. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the businesses are the ones that need consumers. And so if you're going to help consumers, it's, it's going to be, it's going to shine a great light on your brand. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's anything in here that that's all they're doing it for, uh, which is good. I, I do like the, uh, creating, uh, using the parking lot to create a drive-in movie theater. I, I brought it up on previous episodes. I think that's, what's going to help get more foot traffic into these brick and mortars. I mean, not necessarily just um, the movies, but just creating more experiences. And that's where if you have kids, they can go and play. Um, but you're kind of, you're kind of creating some type of scenario where people are going to come in and then naturally they're going to go shop. Um, but I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on everything that they're doing? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I used to go to a summer camp in Crossville, Tennessee, tiny little town in Tennessee. And, uh, a lot of the people that lived in the town, their big Saturday night plans were to get lawn chairs and sit in the parking lot at Walmart. Uh, and like, I know that that's a thing in a lot of places, especially rural places. And, you know, Lowe's can be that kind of outlet that, you know, a lot of these people uh, in rural areas, they're doing a lot of the construction themselves, they're doing a lot of the home improvement themselves. Um, and, you know, there's not as many small businesses and businesses that can serve them. Um, and so I think that they've done a really strategic job of going, listen, we need to be kind of this place where people can come together and, uh, and kind of share experiences. And the same thing Shake Shack did in New York, where it was like, it was less about the food and more about the community and, and just the conversations. And so I think that, you know, it's an interesting play. Uh, but, you know, maybe taking it further than just drive-in movies. I think that's yeah. kind of cliche. No? I mean, it's uh, the... The amount of opportunity is endless. I mean, you can create rock climbing walls. You can have gaming centers. I mean, it's. I think yeah. what brick and mortar stores are going to look like is going to be completely changed in the next five to ten years. It's going to have to in order to be able to compete with e-commerce stuff. It takes and, more uh, than just what's on your shelves exactly. to get people to have an affinity to your business. Now, exactly. uh, yeah. Well, uh, before we get into our next story, just want to mention that we are powered by State Forty Eight. State Forty Eight, you guys are amazing. Check them out. State Forty Eight dot com. 
Dustin, do you have anything you want to mention about them? Yeah, clothing for all inspired by Arizona. They, uh, you know, they have great clothing, but they also do a lot of work within the community, uh, partner with a lot of nonprofits where um, part of the proceeds go to uh, that charitable uh, event donation. So awesome check them out, state48.com. Awesome cause, love it. Awesome. On to our next story. So 66% of people working from home say that they are getting on and starting work earlier and then checking out uh, a bit later. Uh, even more so, 49% think that their boss actually trusts them, meaning 51%, more than half people, uh, don't think that their boss trusts what they're doing and getting stuff done. So, I mean, we have kind of a, a weird scenario where people are working longer, but they don't think their boss or organization are really seeing the the results and efforts. I mean, what do you think this is going to do for the long-term mental health of things? I mean, you got people that are working harder, so you got burnout, but then you got people that have trust issues. And I mean, where is this all going to, where is this all going to play out? Yeah, it's it's uh, anxiety, I think, is is a huge part of this, right? People are worried that, oh, maybe my boss doesn't think I'm getting enough done. And part of it, too, is that when you're at home, you just can't have the same kind of work day that you can at the office. I mean, I, I know that I've notoriously kind of been somebody that's split time between the office, between my house. And, you know, not everyone is cut from the same cloth in the sense that, some people can just kind of go tunnel vision no matter where they're at. Other people need that kind of environment, that collaborative feeling, that kind of uh, place that hadn't, doesn't have any distractions. And, and it makes sense when you got kids running around, when you're trying to make dinner and, uh, you know, you, there, there's just so many distractions. You got the TV on in the background, uh, you know, your friends calling you on your cell phone, you got to take a personal call. Like it, it's just a different environment. So, but I think it is kind of detrimental to our health that we're in the back of our minds always going, well, does my boss trust me? Well, does my boss trust me? I, I think there needs to be some kind of mechanism for accountability there. I mean, there, there's plenty of programs out there that can help with that. I think uh, it, it all comes down to communication and clearly out lining uh deliverables objectives i mean it's like you're gonna get these three things done i mean we do our scrum meetings and it's it's here's what we're gonna get done and it's just trusting one another but i think the thing that makes it difficult right now is even if you want to work from home pre uh covid i mean you could always go to a coffee shop sit down and right. and work you can go out get out of the house and still work be around people but that's where you know we're we're missing right now as well it's like exactly. not only do you have to work from home you literally can't go There's out no and do anything yeah and so i mean yeah i think it's it's just not going to be good on the mental side of things but i think it is up to employers and and bosses to really see that you know the writings on the walls that this is happening and set up some type of solution whether it's daily check-ins or weekly check-ins whatever that may be but um, well, I think it is healthy, though, the flexibility on the calendar. I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, almost a, a fifth of the people are citing that, hey, I'm starting earlier, I'm ending later, I'm taking a two hour break in the middle of my day, like, let people work in the way that they want to let them energize themselves in the way that they want to. And so I think that that's something that we can all learn from this, whether we go back to an office setting or not is, hey, let let your employees have a little bit of flexibility in terms of when they're spending time working. Yep. So going on to our next story, and this is pretty much in line with what we just talked about. Um, employees want to return to a physical workplace. 36% uh, of people prefer to work from home, while 43% want to get back to the office. The, uh, the main reasons are they say they can't count on colleagues delivering stuff whenever they say they will. So um, it cuts into productivity and efficiency. Um, they just miss feeling, uh, you know, being around other people. And that's, yeah. that's basically the, the 
power of collaborating and just bouncing ideas off each other. Um, a lot of people just feel that it's just not as productive and, and, uh, um, you know, what, what is this going to have? I mean, I know we just talked about yeah. the flexibility, but I mean, yeah. once we get past this, is there going to be more of an opportunity of, of mixing up working from home and, and at the office? Or? I'm telling you, I, you could check the tape, Dustin. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about that. Probably three weeks ago, we were talking about this. And back then it was sunshine and rainbows and <laughs> 60% of people want to work from home. And now it's like, <laughs> slowly this trend is starting to erode a little bit, right? People are starting to realize, well, this is a fun two month vacation. And now I can't stand my kids. I can't stand my <laughs> husband. I can't stand my house. And it's just like, you know, when we're alienating ourselves, it's only a matter of time. We need human interaction. It's part of our needs as individuals. Um, it's part of our needs as being humans. And so I look at this and I really think that, uh, you know, the honeymoon phase is over and, you know, maybe a couple days at the house is great. But um, as you mentioned, getting out and changing up the scenery is, is something that always helps me to feel creative and inspired. And, you know, just sitting in the same room, doing the same thing over and over again, there's only so much you can do before the productivity really drops off. And I think we've hit a plateau and we're about to start working our way back down in terms of how much productivity working from home can really do for you. Yeah. And even then, I mean, some of the things that people are saying is just people, colleagues, not getting their work done. I mean, even if we do get back and then we split time, I mean, well, that type of stuff still happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's how, I mean, how, how can businesses overcome that? I mean, you, you still have some people that want it, they love it. And then they are more productive doing that. But how do you ensure that yeah. that stuff is still going to get Ownership done? Ownership in the business. If you're a small business, like why not? I think that there's a lot of different ways you can go about doing something where people feel like they're a part of it, whether it's an incentive baked into a commission, whether it's an incentive baked into the profitability of the business, but using those kind of, uh, it's like levers yeah. is something that can definitely help to just keep people inspired and motivated and, and holding themselves accountable where it stops mattering how much time they're spending. It's like, is the objective getting done? Do I feel like I'm progressing? So I think that's one way that as business owners, especially small business owners can, can really incentivize their employees. I think this is where the great, great employers are really going to shine because it's, and there, there are 20 curveball th curveballs thrown all at once. And, uh, um, you know, you're going to have those that sit back and hit every single one of them. You're going to have people that kind of whiff at every single one. But hey, well, you know, you used to throw the curveballs. You can't, you can't <laughs> just swing right off the, right when it leaves your, the, the pitcher's hand, you know, you got to watch the ball all the way to the bat. And so, you know, I think that those people that are going to try to swing too early, you're going to miss out. Exactly. So going into our, our final story. So to give businesses more curveballs to try and hit, uh, you know, there's a shortage in coins. I never thought I'd ever hear that. I mean, <laughs> you never have a shortage of coins, but um, what it is, what is it attributed to is people out shopping less. Um, back a few months ago, the Fed, so how it works is businesses will ask the banks for coins. Coins will then ask the Feds and the Feds halted production on, on coins with all the craziness going on. Um, so the Treasury Department in May produced about 904 million coins, which is down 13% uh, the previous month. Um, knowing everything that's going on, they, they said they're going to up production over the course of uh, through the rest of the year um, and be producing about 1.35 billion coins per month. Um, you know, the only way that businesses can, can really overcome this is you have to have exact change or just take, uh, you know, 
digital currency as in using your debit card, whatever it may be. I mean, what we're seeing now, is this going to expedite digital currency or, or uh, um, what are your thoughts on just this whole coin shortage? I mean, get rid of the coins. You know, I, <laughs> no one loves having a pocket full of pennies. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting. You know, it costs more to produce the coins than they're even worth. I mean, I think in 20 years, you could be selling some coins on eBay. So maybe hold on to them. But I, I truly don't think that coins are going to be around for much longer unless you're talking about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, in which case I'm very bullish on us transitioning into that as a digital currency, whether it be you know, one of the big players or a new cryptocurrency pops up, but there's already plans of like Visa, Western Union, all these different companies are creating their own kind of digital currencies. And it's just the writing's on the wall. It's a matter of how quickly consumers will adopt. You know, it took it took 50 years for 80% of consumers to adopt the color television, uh, but it's going to take, you know, a year for us to adopt, you know, a digital currency when the time comes. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, I always go back to how we're all going to be tracked. Every transaction is going to be tracked. Then, I mean, you kind of, you know, it, granted, you should be reporting your taxes if you're doing a babysitting gig and get paid on the table. I mean, by by law, you're supposed to. But I mean, that that helps a lot of young people out to kickstart, you know, their finances and stuff like that. And so, I don't. It's it's weird that the Fed halted production or slowed production down, and it's like our was it an attempt to cause this this type of disruption and then push the digital so now we can track everything and tax people more i mean we're sitting on a couple trillion dollars of of bailouts and and pretty soon gonna have to start paying that and so it's like well the inflation is going to keep rising i don't think anything's stopping us from just going to whole numbers you know like, <laughs> that, and see that's that's where i think it's at it's like why does why do things got to be 7.99 let's just make it eight bucks yeah. um I, I mean you know it, it'll be interesting to see but yeah as you mentioned the just being able to track your every move, you're pushing everything to digital. Now, you know, every transaction where cash, you know, the, those things aren't tracked nearly as much. And, you know, you can make the argument that it's going to eliminate uh, some kind of nefarious activities, but at the same time, you know, who knows, there's just as much craziness, no matter where you're looking at. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think it's hard to ignore the Twitter the, in terms of my my story that I, it stands out to me, just, it's hard to ignore that. You know, that many different accounts all being hacked. I think collectively their reach was like over like almost 100 million followers across all of the accounts that were hacked. Like it's a huge number. So I think that's that's insane. Yep. Dan Bilzerian throwing or burning through all that cash. That's uh, it, it blows my mind. But I mean, there are, everybody wanted to be him. I don't think anybody wants to be him now. <laughs> there are quite a few businesses out there that that you know could probably take a little finance one on one course. Um, but it, I think with what's going on, managing cash flow is going to be a Absolutely. huge uh, a need that business owners have. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you guys sticking around. Again, you've been watching uh, e Entrepreneurs. I almost said ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where you're watching entrepreneurs uh, on the non-corporate network, a combination of CNBC and uh, ESPN. And uh, yeah, we really just appreciate you guys being here. If you want to start your own show, check out ncnbroadcast.com. We want to share our resources with you. We want to bring unfiltered, unbiased news to the world, uh, small business information to the world. So if you feel like you fit that bill, we want to work with you. Dustin, do you have anything you want to add? Yep. No, I mean, we just uh, want to help pass on education, help people... Uh, um, do what they absolutely love. And so please reach out. Content by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs.
with that, get out of here. Go uh, get some work done, whether you're at home or in the office. We appreciate you. We'll see you Wednesday. Peace.